Our reading this evening is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul has been charting so far in 2 Corinthians this change that has taken place among this beloved church. The people there were gone astray, going off into all kinds of wickedness, and Paul had to correct them with a painful letter, and then he had anxious nights as he waited to hear whether or not they'd received his letter well, whether they had turned away from their sin, and then news came from Titus that in fact they had repented, and that they had done what Paul instructed them to do, and he was so glad 
He was comforted because Titus was comforted and because his boast in the Corinthians, his boast, was not put to shame. But Paul is a good father, and so he does not settle just for the right answer from his child. His dear Corinthians have given the right answer. They've acknowledged what Paul was said, but what Paul said was true, but he wants to see whether they will put their money where their mouth is. So there's this issue that's going on right now, and that is a desperate need among the churches. There's a famine in Jerusalem, and Paul has undertaken to collect money for the church in Jerusalem to help out the brothers and sisters in this time of need. And when he was with the Corinthians, they began this good work. And he says they even desired to do it, which is a marvelous thing. It starts with a desire, and then the beginning of a work is an incredible thing. It's half done at that point. If you desire it, and then you begin to do it. But now Paul wonders, will they finish the job? It's one thing to desire it and to begin it, but it's another thing to finish it. It's a one thing to say that we would like to collect for the church in Jerusalem, and it's another thing to then go, us, go and start gathering up goods and money to take to Jerusalem, and then it's another thing entirely to actually send it on its way. And that's what Paul wants to see. He wonders whether what they have shared with Paul is just a pious sentiment. Oh, yes, Paul, we know that you're right. Oh, yes, Paul, we're very sorry about what we've done. Oh, yes, Paul, we'd like to live godly lives, but will they actually do it? This is the question that St. James asks really pointedly in his epistle. He says, if you have faith but not works, then your faith is dead. If you see your brother in need and you see his need, recognize it, And you say to him, dear brother, go be fed and full and clothed and well. And then you send him on his way without giving him anything. Then your love is cold. Your faith is dead. It's one thing to recognize what's good. It's another thing to desire it. It's a third thing yet to begin it, but it's another. And most importantly, in fact, to finish it. To do the work. And that's what Paul wants to see among the Corinthians. So he sets before them this example. The example of the Macedonians. And this is a very pointed example for the Corinthians because the Macedonians were apparently not very well to do. Paul says it's out of their poverty that they gave to the the church in Jerusalem. It's out of their poverty and the fact that they gave more than they had the means to give. What a glorious thing, Paul says, that the Macedonians did such a marvelous work. Be like them, Paul says, in fulfilling this glorious work. Follow the example of the Macedonians. Excel in this act of grace also. You, after all, dear Corinthians, you have faith, you have speech, you have knowledge, you have the Spirit, and now let's see it in your works. But Paul is very cautious because he does not want to twist their arm. That's always a tricky thing when you're giving an example. Wouldn't it be nice if you were like so-and-so? That can feel like a twisted arm. But Paul says, no, I I don't say this to you as a command. I don't want you to do this because I'm making you do it. If you're going to do it simply because I'm making you do it, then don't do it at all. Because what I'm asking you to do is to prove your faith. I want it to come from within you. See what is good. See how you desired to do it. See how you began to do it. And now ask yourselves, will we finish it or not? See for yourselves. Whether your money goes where your heart's, where your mouth is. That's a really important question for the Corinthians. And Paul is asking it in earnest. This is probably one of the hardest chapters 
in 2 Corinthians. This is where the rubber meets the road. But see how Paul is full of praise for the Corinthians. I rejoice at what Titus has reported to me. Titus, rejoice that you were so earnest. Your earnestness is, is visible to us. We can hear it and we can see it. And now, will you please carry out the completion of this good work? Give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. It's a lesson for us in all of this that I hope is patently obvious. It's one thing to desire what is good, and that is the Holy Spirit who produces that desire. You cannot desire what is good without the Holy Spirit. You cannot want to be generous unless the Holy Spirit makes you full of that desire. But it's another thing to begin the work, to actually think about your neighbor's needs, to see them, and then start. And it's another thing entirely to finish the work. So think about your lives in this way. All around you, you see need. And all around you, you feel, I'm sure, the pious inclination in your heart that you ought to help, that there's good to do, and you may even begin to do the work. But ask yourself, what keeps you from finishing it, if you ever come short of finishing it? If you see someone in need and you think to yourself, boy, somebody should really, I should really help that person, why haven't you? If you see somebody who's caught in sin and you think, boy, somebody should really tell that person to repent, why haven't you? If you see the works of God in front of you and something is stopping you, why? What is in the way? Prove your faith. Listen to St. Paul. Prove your faith by not only desiring and not just beginning, but actually completing the work. And here's the precious promise of God. You heard it in this passage reported from the, the book of Exodus, when people were gathering manna in the wilderness, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. In the good works of God that he puts in front of you, the works that he has prepared for you from before the foundation of the world, in those works that God has given you to do, there will never be any lack. You will never run out of graciousness. You'll never run out of goodness. You'll never run out of love or generosity or compassion or mercy if you are delivering, if you are handing over what you have received from God. What do you have? Paul asks in 1 Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? And now Jesus asks us day in and day out of our lives to live as though we have received it all from God and to hand it over to others wherever there is need Again, whether it is material need or spiritual need, wherever you see it, be busy. Go to work. Complete this glorious work. And be a boast to your church, to your neighbors. Be a boast to your community. See what wondrous love they have for one another. They will know they are Christians, St. John says. They will know they are Christians by their love. It's not pride. It's not arrogance. It's not hubris. It's not compulsion. But it's simply the gospel living out the goodness of God that he has given to you in Christ Jesus. Praise be to God that he's given us such glorious works to do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.